0: Merry Christmas and Happy New Year Church. It's good to be worshiping with you this morning. I'm thankful for all those who have used their gifts to play and pray our way to this point in the service. Our text this morning is a traditional Advent scripture that at least in part, you've heard many times over the past month. I'll be reading from the prologue to John's Gospel John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and 9 through 11. And the title of my sermon is Recognizing Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own. And his own people did not accept him. Before we dig into that very rich passage, let's pray together. Lord, you alone are the word, and you alone have the words of eternal life. Speak, Lord. Speak to us as we are gathered here today and speak through us as we are scattered in the world this week. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And we pray in the name of our incarnated, crucified, and resurrected Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, the presents have all been opened and your house guests, hopefully, have all gone home. The tree may still be up in the living room and the candles may still be up in the window, but Aunt Judy's fruitcake, again hopefully, has discreetly found its appropriate place in the trash. Everything is starting to be put back into its normal place. Christmas, the cultural Christmas, is in the books. But even though Advent is over, we're still in the traditional church season of Christmastide, so it's an appropriate time, an ideal time, really, to do some reflection on Advent and Christmas, particularly now as we stand on the cusp of the new year. Because there's a difference between merely making it through this season and being shaped by this season. It has been said, and I think said rightly, that experience doesn't make you wiser, it simply makes you older. It's evaluated experience that makes you wiser. So let's evaluate our Advent experiences to see what we've learned. The devotionals we read, the sermons we heard, the songs and hymns that we sang all told us that Advent is about active, faithful, watching and waiting for Christ having the faith-formed sight to recognize Jesus when he shows up and the faith-forged character to respond to him, to participate in what Jesus is doing. And that seems pretty straightforward, right? I mean, how difficult, really, can it be to recognize when heaven invades earth? But... That's not what the Apostle John seems to say in our text for today because John says when Christ came into the world, the world did not know him and his own people did not accept him. That seems strange, right? How can a people who walk in darkness and death not recognize it when light and life shows up right in front of them? And the more we think about that, the more staggering it should be. For 400 years, there had not been a prophet in Israel before the birth of Christ. God had been profoundly silent. And the people were aching. Aching for God to speak. Aching for God to move. Aching for God to bring them the long-prophesied Messiah who would usher in the long-promised Messiah kingdom of heaven but when Jesus finally bursts onto the scene those same aching people they don't recognize him and they don't accept him and as surprising as that is if we were paying attention we saw aspects of this reality popping up in many of the advent texts that we read and even the hymns that we sang For example, as Noel preached about last week, when the angel Gabriel appears to Mary to tell her that she will be the mother of the Messiah, she is initially described not as ecstatic but as perplexed, greatly disturbed, confused and troubled, even alarmed. Similarly, when the angel appears to Zechariah to announce that he and Elizabeth will have a son in their old age. John the Baptizer, who would make ready a people prepared for the Messiah. Zechariah doesn't celebrate. He doesn't fall on his knees in thankful prayer. He doesn't break out into an impromptu praise dance. The Bible describes Zechariah as terrified, and he doesn't believe what the angel is saying. This kind of thing happens again when the wise men, the Magi, come into the court of King Herod and announce the coming of the Messiah with this question, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? When Herod heard this, Scripture tells us that he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. The news of the coming of Jesus, the good news of great joy that we sang about for weeks, is received by both the king and the people with fear. What is going on? Is it really that hard to recognize Jesus when he shows up? Is it really that hard to respond rightly to the kingdom of God when it is revealed? I pose these questions to a Bible study that I'm in. And one of the guys in his in the study, who's a tough-minded former Marine who has slugged it out in the business world and had a tremendous amount of success. This guy came to faith in his early 60s and he has a unique gift for sharing raw and honest insight. And he seriously pondered these questions and I can't quote him exactly, but here's the general gist of what he shared with the group. As I look back, I can now see the many times and the many ways that I missed Jesus showing up in my life. It wasn't so much that I was intentionally rejecting Jesus as it was that I was just simply not aware of him. I was living I was living my life, being a husband and a father, making stuff happen at work, making plans at home, making money, building my own life. In the midst of that, I wasn't looking for Jesus at all. And I never noticed it when he showed up. Who invited that guy anyway? Because that's tough to hear. But that's honest wisdom right there. That's evaluated experience. And as you can imagine, there was a good bit of silence in the room after he dropped that nugget. Because many of us, we are now looking back over... Our previous life reconsidering all the ways that we might have missed Jesus when he showed up in our daily grind I think we all know that God speaks in a still small voice of our ordinary days we're often looking the other way expecting God to show up in the dramatic moments in the powerful times in the earthquake and the fire Author and speaker Paula Darcy observes that Jesus comes to us disguised as our life. In our mundane moments, in our daily struggles and disappointments, we often fail to notice that it's Jesus who is whispering when we're doing the dishes, nudging us as he interrupts our daily schedule. We often don't recognize when Jesus is quietly disrupting the comfortable life we crave to point us toward the meaningful life that we were made for. So I agree with my Bible study friend, yes, we often miss Jesus in the mundane moments of our lives because we're simply not looking for him there. But in addition, I also think that we actively resist seeing Jesus in our seasons of suffering, even if we're staring straight at him. That's certainly true in my life. In 2019, I was still working a marketplace job and it was tough sledding for me. The company I had worked through, that I worked for, had gone through a very dramatic leadership and culture change and the old guard of Richmond folks who had built the company on relationships and customer service, they'd all been replaced by a cadre of corporate lifers and former consultants. The leaders were self-serving Morale was low, profits were down, and people were leaving or being let go. And on top of that, I was really longing to be someplace else. I was very involved here at Second Baptist, and I wanted to be growing and discipling and building community and preaching and teaching and praying with others. I wanted to spend my days serving Jesus in building his kingdom, not spend my days serving selfish executives as they built their fortunes. At bottom, I think I was longing to be in ministry, but I couldn't see that clearly because I still had a kid in college, and I didn't think that was very responsible and maybe even kind of selfish to do that. So I trudged along and tried to make the best of things. One day in January of that year, I remember writing in my prayer journal, Lord, If I am supposed to be someplace else doing something else, please make that very, very, very clear to me." I shudder to repeat that out loud because I was so naive. I did not know how dangerous it was to pray something like that and really mean it. Because five days later, my boss convened our whole team in a conference room and delivered the devastating news. The company had decided to radically reduce expenses, and as part of that cost-cutting, they were doing away with a number of teams, including my team, and they were letting all of us go. Just like that. I was out of a job. I was so hurt and so angry, but I got it together, and over the next several hours, I gathered up the stuff from my office, said goodbye to teammates and friends that I'd worked with for years and took that long walk of shame across the parking lot to my car. And once inside my car, I took a big, deep breath. The kind of breath you take before you start screaming at somebody, because I was going to let God have it. How could he do this to me? How could he let this happen? But just before I started yelling, yelling, I got this incredibly strong impression, like a calm voice Inside me saying, Isn't this exactly what you asked me for five days ago? Now you're gonna listen? <laughs> that stopped me cold, because that voice was exactly right. I had indeed asked God to make it very, very, very clear to me if I was supposed to be someplace else doing something else. But not this way, not like this. And so there I found myself face to face with Jesus in my car amidst the wreckage of my career. Should I have been able to recognize Jesus in that devastating moment of answered prayer? Absolutely, absolutely. Was I willing to recognize Jesus in that moment? Not a chance. So the two of us rode home together and I gave him the cold shoulder and the silent treatment. Indeed, it took me many months to see Jesus in this turn of events, to recognize him as both the gracious creator of this crisis and my constant companion through this crisis. took a lot of prayer, a lot of raw and honest prayer. I confess a few more temper tantrums and tirades on my part. Lots of difficult discussions with my amazing wife. And gracious conversations with my Christian friends to realize that it was indeed Jesus who was in all of this that he was not doing something to me that he was doing something for me in all of his wisdom and goodness Jesus had pushed me out of a plane that I was no longer supposed to be on and he pushed me out because I lacked the courage and the perspective to jump. But I can tell you this, I would not be standing here right now if Jesus had not done for me what I could not do for myself. Pastor, counselor, and author Paul David Tripp observed that mo- observes that most human beings live within a personal happiness paradigm. And as a result, we tend to see goodness in our lives and even the work of God in our lives only in the events that fit our sin-compromised criteria for happiness, success, and growth. But in contrast to our personal happiness paradigm, Tripp says that God has a personal holiness paradigm. God knows that our sin gets in the way of who we were meant to be and what we were meant to do. God knows that our blindness gets us lost. God knows our weakness prompts us to give up and give in and settle for so much less than we were made for. In the language of Advent, God knows that we are a people who walk in darkness. God, in all his love and wisdom, is unshakably committed to rescuing and transforming us by giving us the light and life of Jesus. And through Christ, God is absolutely willing to interrupt and compromise our momentary happiness to do a work of abiding holiness in us, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and this is literally what Christmas is about. But we're not called to merely make it through Advent. We're called to be molded by it. We're called to be Advent people all year long. And that means we stand with the faithful in the past who recognized Jesus even when he didn't fit their expectations of what a Messiah should look like or what a Messiah should do. And it means we look for Jesus to come again in the future and somehow, against all odds, bring beauty out of the brokenness all around us. And it means that our posture in the present is one of active, watchful waiting for Jesus to appear in our lives, whether he comes disguised as our ordinary life or whether he comes shrouded in our suffering. And if you're sitting right now on the throne of your life, pretending to be king, Jesus might appear to you like he appeared to Herod, simply saying, hey, you're in my seat. Recognize him. Respond to him like Herod didn't. Get up out of the chair that's way too big for you. Take off the crown that's way too heavy for you. And realize that in that divine demotion, God's not doing something bad to you. He's doing something good for you. And if you've spent years yearning and praying for something and you thought God was turning a deaf ear to you, then the goodness of God may suddenly appear to you like it appeared to Zechariah. Recognize and respond like Zechariah didn't. By believing that God is both willing and able to do far more than you could ask or imagine. And if you're living your quiet life, and suddenly God asks you to say a staggering yes to something that seems impossible, something that others won't understand, Christ may come to you as he came to Mary. Recognize him. Respond to him like Mary did saying, let it be with me according to your will. Church, we are Advent people because we can say with joy all year long, Jesus has come. Jesus is coming, and Jesus is here right now. Look for him in your pleasure and pain, in moments big and small. He may come suddenly, dressed dreadfully, an answered prayer, or he might slowly appear in the midst of your unfulfilled longings. But whether we are ready or not, our loving Savior is faithful and true, and he will show up, live into this new year as Advent people, recognizing that Jesus comes every day, and therefore every day is Christmas. Amen.